Lastly, I'm blessed to serve as one of your pastors here. My name is Leon Stevenson, and uh, let's pray together that the Lord would allow you to hear, use me, you allow his spirit to fall on all of us so we may grow in his understanding. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this time. May your word uh, cut to our hearts so we may be able to experience your spirit today. Would you illuminate your words that we may understand it? Would you use the worshipers today um, in a way that would bring you glory? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we start off in Exodus. And uh, the favor of the Egyptians was toward the people of Israel. But that fades once the death of Joseph takes place. So the numbers of the people of Israel increase. But, but Pharaoh and his people do not like that. So Pharaoh and his people uh, fear an uprising of the people of God. So they enslave the people of Israel. And they give them harsh work. The more brutal the work, the more the people grow. In an attempt to slow down their growth, Pharaoh tried to have midwives kill off the firstborn of a new generation. But the midwives are disobedient. And they spare many of these children. One of the children that was spared was uh, a young boy named Moses. And Moses is born of a Hebrew mother, but is raised as raised as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses uh, empathizes with the pain of his people, the Hebrews. He sees an Egyptian beating another Hebrew and he ends up killing that Egyptian. But when Pharaoh finds out, Pharaoh gives chase to Moses, who's fleeing from Egypt. But Moses ends up at a well. And Moses finds a good thing in a, in a wife named Zipporah. And he goes and lives at Zipporah's land with, uh, with her family. Y'all see, I try to do a little play on words with Zipporah. You know, like, they tried to catch Moses, but Moses got a good catch in Zipporah. Y'all get... Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. Okay, pastor, a little corny. It's all right. <laughs> but during uh, many days, uh, the king of, after many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel who are under this slavery, they are groaning and crying out for help. And their cry for a rescue from slavery was heard and came up to God. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and he knew he was aware of their situation. Moses has this this amazing encounter with God at the burning bush. And God says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God reveals himself to Moses. He says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you to me. I am who I am. That name Yahweh is one that has no beginning. It has no end. It is incomparable. It has no limitations. It is not bound. All things that exist depend upon that name. So this name Yahweh, the creator of all, makes a promise And the promise is this in in chapter 317, he says, and I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land 
of a number of different places that he says a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord gives Moses the ability to perform miracles as a sign that he is his man. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. They bowed their heads and worshiped. And Aaron was given to Moses as his spokesperson. The Lord would speak to Moses. Moses would speak to Aaron. Aaron would speak out unto the people. Moses and Aaron, they gathered, uh, excuse me, the Lord instructs Moses to return to Egypt and perform miracles before Pharaoh and speak on behalf of the Lord and say, I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let my let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn. And Moses and, and Aaron gathered together the elders and Aaron shares what the Lord said to Moses and did the signs in front of the people and the people respond. By believing. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Now, family, we are in a in a season of our year as modern day 216, you know, people. We are in a season of our year, which is called football season. Yes, indeedy. You cannot turn on the TV without seeing some type of commercial for football and the upcoming Super Bowl in the future. But right now, all of the playoffs are playing out. I say that because probably in the next four weeks, I think some type of illustration from football is going to creep into every sermon. Just, just getting you ready for it. Now, today... I, I, I love the, the preview of a football game. You know, the preview of a football game, you have different commentators talking about how each side is set up. You have the best of both teams putting out tweets. Yeah, we're going to do this to y'all. Wait till y'all come up here and see what's going to happen. You know, like you get, you get the back and forth, and then you get, you get the coach. Coach says, we've practiced. I've, I've, I've drilled these things into you. I'm getting you ready. Now it's time for you to execute. Family, one through four, chapter one through four of Exodus is the buildup. It is God equipping his people, giving the clear plan. But now as we enter into chapter five, it's like here's where the game begins. Because we enter into chapter five now where Moses, having had his 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 given his marching orders, now is going to go and speak with Pharaoh. Will you read with me? Chapter 5, verse 1. Exodus, chapter 5, verse 1. We're going through 14. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went up and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron Why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. 
And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go out and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task each day as as when there was straw. And the foreman of the people of Israel, when Pharaoh's taskmasters had set had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? We enter into this story with with Moses and Aaron being able to walk in and gain the ear of the Pharaoh. And you might be wondering, I mean, the Pharaoh is the king of the land. The, the, the Pharaoh is in charge. How do they go and grab the, the ear of the, of the king? Well, in this culture, while the king was the most powerful one in the land, he was also seen as the one that was over everyone. So if I am over you as king, I need to have need you to have access to me so that I can properly extend my authority. So while I might play favorites, I also might have those that I love more. I'm going to provide access to everyone. And so the poorest person in the land and the richest person in the land had equal access to Pharaoh, which makes Moses and Aaron, which provides Moses and Aaron the ability to access and let Pharaoh know these next statements. He says this in in verse one, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. He gives this, this, this command was given to Moses to speak on behalf of God. But right away, we're getting this name that that's designated differently than other gods. You see in, in each, uh, People only were associated with gods based on their land and based on their strength. And so now this Pharaoh is hearing about a God that's supposed to be in charge from a people who have no land and no strength. And so he's not not registering that this God is a real God. He says, thus says the Lord. Now, It's a slight kind of uh, jab at who Pharaoh is because he's at first is what he's saying is thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay, so now they're first putting themselves in a proper place to say we are simply messengers. We're not coming saying as Moses, this is what I feel. I come as a messenger. Now, I don't know about you. But there's been times in my life where, where I came as a messenger and I was actually thankful I was a messenger. You know, I used to work at McD's. 
The messenger's name is Brian. My coworker's name is Tim. I walk in. What's up, Tim? Hey, man, Brian said you got to clean the toilets out. What? I got to clean them? Sorry, man. That's what he said. The, that's what the boss said. See, see, the power is not on me. <laughs> it's, it's on the one who has authority. And so we'll see throughout the playing of this entire, this entire series in Exodus that, that, that both Moses and Aaron are not saying the power rests within them. They're saying the power rests within God. So thus says a holy God. But it also checks Pharaoh to say, wow, this God who's creator of all, Yahweh, whose name has no beginning and no end, has a message for you. So guess what? He is creator. You are created. And it forces, Yah- it forces Pharaoh to say, God speaking to me? I am a God. Who do they think they are? So we're going to see this, this, this battle of who is the strongest play out all throughout the next chapters of Exodus. So they were worried about, about pestilence and a sword coming down on them in, in verse 3. It says, then uh, the Hebrew, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And pestilence is just like a, an epidemic. So they, the people of God were worried, hey, we know we need to respond to, we need to respond to, to a holy God. But if we don't, there's a consequence. There's a consequence to being unfaithful to the Lord. And so in, in, in this verse, it's, it's ironic because all of the things that they are worried about that could happen to them actually is going to play out and happen to the Egyptians. And so we get, we get Moses and Aaron stepping in, saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, maybe you've, you, th- this holding a feast is, is, is a kind way of asking for something big. All right. It's, it's, it's a way where you try to, try to uh, care for a person. But you're asking for a major sacrifice. So um, maybe maybe this has been your situation. You and uh, a best friend or you and a spouse go out to eat dinner. You're sitting there. The meal is good. It's amazing. You finished all yours. They come down to their last bite and you look at them and say, you don't want that, do you? What are you asking for? You, 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 you're trying to be kind about it. You're trying to care for them. At the same time, you want that last bite of theirs. You see, the, the way that this is phrased, while going to go do some worship and going on a, on a, on a three-day journey into the wilderness is one component. Really what they're saying is, would you allow our people to be free? It's a kind way of saying, would you allow our people to to experience the freedom that Yahweh provides? So you can see why Pharaoh comes back uh, a little upset. Pharaoh then says, his response is this. 
in chapter four and verse four. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to their lying words. How does he start out? He starts out with with calling them. He says, you guys are away from your work. Because probably at this point, what has happened is the people of God believe in Moses and they believe in Aaron. And they're like, look, y'all are going to do this. You're going to really go to Pharaoh and ask him. Okay, we got your back. Hey, don't work. Let's all go assemble and pray. So they're probably outside of wherever Moses and Aaron are right now, praying that God's favor would be upon Aaron and Moses. And so Pharaoh is like, whoa, first off, you're going to ask me to free these people from slavery and you messing with my money and you're going to stop the economy that's built upon the back of these slaves. How dare you? How dare you? But notice what he calls the people of Israel. He doesn't he doesn't say the Hebrews. He calls them people of the land. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something like this where where a person with one phrase or one term defines you simply based on what you do for them. Defines you based on what you do for them. So you're in a conversation and they say, oh, you're talking about Martha? Wait, you mean the janitor? Or or are you talking about Patty? Oh, 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 you mean her, the, the volunteer? You, you talking about, you talking about Dave? Are you talking about a dude from the suburbs? See how, see how quickly a term, one term can define a person and affect how we view and categorize them? These aren't people in the mind of Pharaoh. These are servants. And so to ask for freedom would have to change the very character of who they are as individuals. (laughs) And Pharaoh's not about to let that happen. He says, let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it. Heavier work be laid on them. The aim here is simply to try to in, increase this, this, this idea that they have a paranoia. I want with you guys, could you please turn, we're in Exodus, turn to chapter 1. And we're going to look at, look at some verses. We're looking at verses 8 through 11. Exodus chapter 1. All right, and it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape excuse me, escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. 
They built for Pharaoh store cities of Pithon and Ramses. So here we have a new king in office. He creates within the people a sense of paranoia. A sense of paranoia. Can you guys still hear me good? Amen. Amen. Okay. So Pharaoh creates within the people a sense of paranoia. Look in verse 10. I'm going to read this out of order a bit just so that we understand it. But it says, we fear lest they might multiply, lest war might break out. They might join our enemies, fight against us, and they might do what? Escape from the land. So now these are all what ifs. Okay? These are all possibilities. These are all things that could happen. And so because they could happen, how does it say that the Pharaoh's going to treat the Pharaoh and those people are going to treat them at the beginning of verse 10? Shrewdly. All based on what could happen. That's what you call paranoia. And he and the rest of the Egyptian people begin to make rules for how they're going to engage with the rest of of the Hebrews based on what could happen. And so let me ask you a question. If the Pharaoh or the king were to die, do you think this type of conduct, this type of treatment towards the people of God would continue with a new king? If, If the Pharaoh died... Would they still treat the Hebrew people in this manner? Yeah. Why? Because there's a new mindset that's in place. There's a paranoia that has now been agreed upon by all the people. And now there's a mindset of how the people of Israel will will conduct themselves as their slaves with hard labor. So I'm, 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 I'm harping on this for a moment because there's a point that the scriptures are trying to make to us. And it's a point that, that evil exists within our society, within our world, within our culture. And Pharaoh is one example of evil. But Pharaoh is not the only example because that lets us off the hook when we can just identify a person. See, evil exists within a mindset. And we see here that the entire culture embraced how they would treat these people based off of paranoia. So there's a mindset of evil now embraced by the Egyptian people of how they would treat the Hebrew people. And I think we are we are quick to uh, we're quick to jump on a few of the different evil systems that have happened throughout our world. Right. I mean, we have. Uh, historically, you have uh, slavery from African American from Africans. Okay, the system of evil. Um, we've had uh, the eradication of Native American people. System of evil. Uh, we've had uh, women being denied the right to vote and suffrage, and not until 1920 even being able to to vote. Uh, voices not even allowed to be in the shaping of our nation at all. Um, a a, a form of evil. But today uh, I would have brought forth uh, a a way of evil that takes place specifically in our city right now because of the auto show. And that's uh, uh, a system where uh, the bodies of other individuals are sold for pleasure. 
and I'm trying to keep it PG because all of our kids here, I couldn't go there about that evil system this week. So we're going to talk about, but when the auto show comes to Detroit, that, that industry spikes like crazy. So we need to be praying because unfortunately when a lot of men come to an area that, that world follows them. So we need to be as a church body praying against that system of evil. But today I want to talk about a system of evil uh, that, that, that is taking place. And I'm going to try to make it quick. It's this concept called redlining. And uh, doing my different research, actually one of the best definitions I came about happened to be a Wikipedia. And Wikipedia, I would not suggest, is the best place to go for research. Um, but when I looked through all the citations, it was actually written by someone who was scholarly, not, you know, Bob the Builder in his back room hooking it up. So, <laughs> so redlining. In the United States, redlining is the practice of denying services either directly or through selectively raising prices to residents of certain areas based on their racial or ethnic makeup. All right. So let me get uh, CJ. Why don't you stand up for me? Um, Ethan, stand up for me. Owen, no, I'll let you slide today. Catherine, stand up for me. And Lele, stand up for Lael, stand up for me. All right. So imagine, if you will, these four people are the, the game players, okay? Now, CJ is in charge of banking industry. Lael is in charge of the infrastructure, so roads, uh, all, highways, all of that. Uh, you are in charge of real estate, Ethan. And Catherine, uh, you are in charge of school development and school systems. Now, all four of us get, all four of them get together and they begin to analyze communities. And what they say is, okay, the community that's the most vibrant, that has the most wealth, most established, we're going to make that purple. Okay. The community that is, you know, next, uh, kind of, you know, young professionals looking to move on at some point, we'll make that yellow. The community that is uh, somewhat risky, but if it works, it's a great payout, we'll make that turquoise. But the community that is poor, the community that is old, the community that are almost always is black or Hispanic is circled in red. And none of us will go there. And while each of these stakeholders matter most, matter a lot, the greatest one is CJ because she's the banking industry. And so the banks define how these others will follow. Thank you, kids. You guys can have a seat. And so they outline a community in red. And you and I, we, we didn't know these things were taking place historically. Uh, this, this type of thing has always been present, but it was formally like established in 1934 when we started our Federal Housing Administration because other industries had to meet the guidelines that the Federal Housing Administration set, and this was part of it. But we live today in a hip-hop culture. You know, I mean, we got black rappers, white rappers kicking it together, you know, everybody doing life. We got Asian, we got, you know, Indian, we got all types of cultures doing life together. So when, when I look at redlining, something like that, I think of like grandma's era. Okay. I think of, I think of something that's long past. And why are we even talking about this? Because, because it's a form of evil, and I'm going to show you how. I'm, I'm doing, some re doing some 
enjoying, you know, just some reading online, I come across an article that actually talks about the failure of big businesses in past year of 2015. And there's a business called Hudson City Savings Bank. It's the largest savings bank in New Jersey, has 135 branches. This past year, they paid 33 million to settle an issue because they targeted affluent communities and denied funds to black and Hispanic communities. So much so that of their 1,886 mortgages, only 25 went to people of color in New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? In South Dakota, you got me. There's only about three of my cousins there. I get it. But in New Jersey, in 2015, family. We're talking about systems of evil. Why is that evil? It's, it's evil for this very reason. I, I learned... I learned when we went home for Christmas that, that the reason my father was laid off when I was younger uh, actually was because he was black. My father, he entered into a journeyman's position as a, as a pipe fitter. Him and an entire group of people, some black, some white. When my father uh, began to move up the ladder, actually pink slips came. He later saw one of his white friends. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing good. You still working there? Yeah. Wait, you came in after me. How are you still working there? I don't know, man. I'm still there. Unfortunately, my father had to sue to get his job back. I just learned that this past Christmas, if I would have known that as, as a young 13-year-old that saw the depression, the pain, the torment that our family went through during that time, I would have hated white people. I'm just telling you. I would have, I would have hated, and I couldn't have put a name to anybody, but I would have saw my dad's pain, and I would have, I would have associated that with color. Do you see how sin is so pervasive do you see how an, an evil structure can create hate within one another? And it's mass because with that type of sin, with, with something like slavery, there's no one person's name on it. You see, Pharaoh can go down here as the culprit. But there was an entire mindset that allowed slavery to exist. An entire mindset that, that allowed my dad to be fired. An entire mindset that lets an entire corporate organization in 2015 give 25 of 1,800 loans to black people. You see, Dr. King, he, he, he said that quote that I, that I shared. If I can find it. He said... Uh, That the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. How many people had to look the other way for slavery to continue on? 
how many different levels of people looking the other way had to take place for only 25 people to get a mortgage, for redlining to continue in today's culture. Family, I, I'm, I'm, I, you might ask, so we're preaching, we're talking about Jesus, we're looking at Exodus, seeing the people of God being mistreated in this way. Why, why do we pause here? We pause here simply because evil still exists. And some of us, some of us will be those that are treated in an unjust manner. Okay? You will be the recipient of evil. It just is the way it is. And, I, and my call to you is to remember that chapter one through four where God says, I hear you. I hear your cries. I see. I love you and I will respond. The ultimate response has already taken place at the cross. Okay? But the Lord is allowing different responses to take place. And one of those responses happens through some of the other folks in the room. Some of us are not necessarily the recipients of injustice. But actually, we get to be advocates of justice. And so now, in our different walks of life, in our different areas, will we turn the blind eye? Will we look the other way? Literally. So, literally, yesterday, I was challenged with this thing because um, somebody posted on my YouTube, I mean, not YouTube, on um, my Facebook. I'm from Cleveland originally. And this dude um, tried to hurt a a uh, a driver of a of a um, of a bus in my hometown, and nobody helped. Nobody helped at all. And so I'm like, man, that's jacked up. So I go to Lowe's yesterday, and I see this guy kind of like walking around, looking a little weird. I'm not thinking anything. I'm grabbing my stuff, and I and I grab the screw that I'm finally looking 20 minutes to get, and then the guy just. Takes, he got like a shopping cart full of stuff. Takes a shopping cart, walks right out the end door. Now there's nobody around but me. I'm like, so he, and, and, and he looks back at me. I look at him like, dude, for real? Like a whole shopping cart? You know? We did, a, we did like a Snickers. His brother took an air conditioner, you know? Like, okay. All right. <laughs> I guess you're going for it. So then, a Walmart associate, I mean, a Lowe's associate just comes around the corner. I'm like, this dude could come back and stab me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, man, this dude just went out with a whole shopping cart full of stuff. You might want to go. You might want to go check into that, brother, because he just he just took he just took a whole shopping cart full of stuff. So he runs outside and I don't know what happens next. I got my screw. I'm out, you know. <laughs> but 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 I say that because I think every single day. We are all faced with opportunities where we're going to stand up, say nothing, and ignore it, or actually, like, cower. Cower. And family, I'm asking the Lord to give us the grace. And this, this here, this isn't a black-white issue, okay? To be the people of God as we experience systems that are evil as well as people are evil, it only takes the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can empower us to be able to do that. Somebody will say to me, but Lee, you were snitching. Why are you snitching on him? Man, that rule doesn't trump justice and integrity for me. 
I'm, I'm, I love Christ. I put Christ first. And Christ doesn't say the ultimate rule is never tell. Actually, he says stand for justice. Wrong is wrong. And so I want to invite you all into that same reality, into that same world that Christ has called us to, to be his sent people. But I also want to encourage those that may be, do you know? Actually, we don't. We don't know what it's like to rent For 25 years, saving up a little bit every single check to finally be able to go and purchase your home and be told no. Just because you're black. Just because you're Hispanic. See, we don't know what that's like. Praise the Lord, we don't. But some of you, some of us will experience different types of injustice. Because you're a woman. Because you're a man. And so I want you to be encouraged that even in the midst of injustice, the Lord is your strength. Lastly, we end with, we end with um, starting at, excuse me, verse 10. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the, and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will give, I will not give you straw. Go out and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But the work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble and straw. The taskmasters were urgent saying, complete your work, your daily task each day as when there as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all of your tasks of making bricks today? And yesterday, as in the past, family, there's this there's this process and the process of making bricks goes like this. It's it's a part of a bigger economy. So you got farmers over here. Farmers are gleaning. They're reaping a harvest. They're bringing in all the food. And as they're doing that, they're they're cutting off straw. So there's different straw that falls. If you can almost imagine something like corn, you know, you shuck the corn, you leave the straw. Where there's another economy of people who all they do is gather all of the straw from the land that needs to be harvested. They take it over to the slaves. Now the slaves are grabbing mud and they're adding straw to the mud. And then they put it inside of a form, sit it out in the hot sun, and it becomes a brick. So now what Pharaoh has just done is said, you know what? Step one and two of people gleaning straw for you and hooking you up. Not going to happen. Oh, that system is still going to take place. They're still going to glean straw. You just can't get it. So now the, the, the people of Israel have to go to a land that's already been stripped primarily of all the straw and try to get little pieces of straw and grab what they can off of land that's already been harvested. And still have the same expectation that they'll produce what they had when it was provided to them. And ultimately, if they don't, they're beaten. Why do I, why do I let us end on that note? Because family, as we are serving the Lord, as we are taking steps for Christ, as we sometimes stand up in the midst of opposition, God's people, and this is something that uh, Doug Stewart says, he says, God's people must not assume that carrying out his commandments will increase their comfort. You cannot assume that by doing the will of God, things are going to get better. 
Actually, this is a prime example of doing what the Lord says and it getting worse. So how's that when when people say, you know, um, uh, look for God, try to find him working. Like if if, if, if it feels good, then go do it. See, that's a life built upon my emotion, built upon my feelings. And as long as it feels good, you go after it. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Actually, it seems like when you when you have the potential of taking a stand for God and physically it being worse. Yet and still submit to a holy God, make the choice to choose his ways over your own, over our own ways. So that ultimately his name will be glorified even through our persecution and punishment. Justin, oh, sorry, you're just scratching your head. Sorry, brother. So lastly, family, uh, evil exists today. Don't assume because you love God that evil will not affect you or that evil does not affect others. And also in doing God's will, obeying his commands, that may lead to an increase in hardship and discomfort. But still choose God and obey in spite of the pain. What you and I don't realize is that at some point, each and every one of us was Pharaoh. We at some point of our lives chose to be kings of our own world. We allowed these unhealthy ideas and unhealthy mindsets unhealthy policies to wreak havoc on our lives and on the lives of others. And the only way that this system of evil that, that, that existed within us is ever dealt with is to submit it unto a new King, not the King of ourselves, but the King Jesus Christ. See, his ways are better than our ways. He's created all of humanity. So in that he has no favorites. He doesn't lift men over women. He doesn't lift women over men. He sees everybody with a just perspective. So today's invitation, this invitation is for the believer to lay their heart before God and ask, where do I want more control than you, God? And for those who don't believe Jesus is king, May you recognize that evil systems are present in our world, but that those systems are a reflection of your heart. And that Jesus is the only savior from any evil system. I love uh, I love going through a series because at the end of each part of the series it's kind of like what happens next. Guess you got to come back next week and find out. Will you join me in prayer, family? Lord, we want to submit our ways and choose your ways. And Father, I, I, um, I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't like pain and I want to avoid it. But Father, I ask that you would give me and the rest of our church uh, the strength to choose obedience over comfort. That Lord, as evil exists, that you would allow this church body as well as your body all over the world
to speak out against it. We see that things are still happening today that are just unjust. Use your people of your people to bring in your your just kingdom. That's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.